people that have something to say that resonates with a specific culture. They have a, have a certain kind of understanding of that culture, and then they're able to express that. This often happened in times past through poetry, through writing books, through art, playwriting. And now we say, we can say that this, this happens even still today through film directors and still through art, and even we could say through architecture. But a person has to understand, not only understand that culture, but also be able to express it in order for it to resonate. We might speak of our Lord Jesus Christ as being the ultimate influencer because he understood that culture and the people he was living amongst better than anybody ever could because he was God, precisely. And because he spoke about spiritual things, he often used, used imagery that was close to the people to draw out what he was trying to say, to help them to understand what he was trying to say. And we read, this, we, we read about this imagery in the scriptures, we hear this imagery from year to year, but often it's, it's something that would have hit home very closely with those Jews, those Jews living in ancient Palestine in a much closer way than it does to us nowadays because we don't understand the imagery as much. And today he uses this imagery of the Good Shepherd. He says, I am the Good Shepherd. He compares himself to the Good Shepherd. And this was something that was very readily understood by the hearers when he, when he would have said this, the Pharisees, the Jews. But it's something that we can perhaps pause a little bit to, to delve into a little bit more this imagery and understand what our Lord Jesus Christ is trying to say by saying, I am the Good Shepherd. So first with sheep, we're all somewhat familiar with sheep, probably from driving somewhere out west and we find that they just get in the way, they, they, they walk all over the road. But sheep, why does our Lord Jesus Christ compare us to sheep? Um, there's a few reasons, but perhaps... Perhaps the one that, that strikes the most is the fact of a sheep is primarily a follower. It's an animal that needs to be led and also is rather helpless if it doesn't have somebody leading it. Uh, it is, it's said that sheep, if they're trying to find some water to drink, and they come across a dirty pool of water, 
even though there might be fresh water flowing a few meters further away, they'll simply settle for that because that's the closest thing to that. Sheep also have almost no way whatsoever to defend themselves against the predator, and usually, which is usually a wolf. That's what's, what's talked about in the scripture today, which doesn't, again, that's something that doesn't apply to us because there's no wolves here, so it's, that's a part of the parable we don't understand. But the only way that a sheep can defend himself is either by fleeing or by sticking together with that, uh, that, that flock. And even still, a sheep will, will very quickly resign himself to his fate and, and, won't, and, and will stop fighting. So for example, I'm told, again, I'm not, I'm not a farmer, so I don't really know, but it's all hearsay. A sheep, if it gets, if it gets stuck in a fence, it will try for a certain short period of time to get out. And once it realizes it can't do that, it will simply resign itself to its fate like a good phlegmatic and wait for itself to die. So why does our Lord Jesus Christ use, why is he using this to compare it to us? Of course, not because we're completely helpless, but from that point of view on the spiritual level, we can't do anything without him. And frankly speaking, we don't really know where to go. It's a life that's completely above us. It's supernatural. It's above our nature. We need somebody to, to direct us. And we know, as our Lord Jesus Christ said, without him, we can do nothing. He doesn't say that we can start or we can, we can begin that, that spiritual life. Without our Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. We're as helpless as those sheep. Perhaps the most redeeming quality of sheep, though, is the fact that when they have a shepherd, they recognize that shepherd and are extremely loyal to him. A story is related of somebody who was visiting the Holy Land and they saw three different shepherds with their flocks converge and have a conversation. And of course, the sheep converge with the shepherd and they're all mingled, intermingling there together. And the person that was witnessing saw it and as any, any of us would imagine, how will they now determine whose sheep is whose? And they weren't, they weren't marked with big, bright colors as they're here. They were all just the same. How do you determine that once they all come together? Shepherds finished their conversation. And they all went their ways. They called after their sheep. And flawlessly, each of the sheep went and followed their shepherd. And this is <clears throat> this idea of hearing, of listening, being able to hear the shepherd's word and follow him is, is an idea that is insisted on on this 10th chapter of St. John. We often think of prayer as something we say, something we do, something we're giving to God. 
But we, we, we forget that it's also listening. In order to hear what God has to say, we have to be silent. We have to spend time with him. We have to recognize his voice. And we can only do that in peace and in silence. Now perhaps just a word about shepherds. Shepherds here, again, they don't really exist. Um, I was out west a few days ago, and the farmer, I wouldn't call him a shepherd per se, but the farmer was moving his sheep from one pasture to another. And he had a sheepdog that was rounding up all the sheep and moving them off to this other pasture. And he was, he was just sitting in his jeep watching the whole thing or making different signs to the dog to tell him what to do. But a shepherd, for two reasons, is not very important in this country as it would be in, in Palestine. The first is because the, the climate is much different. And in order to find fertile vegetation for the the sheep to to feed off of, the farmer has to actively move his sheep constantly from one area to the other because the soil is very arid, it's very dry, and it's not as green and as lush as the the grass is here. So that's one reason. And then, of course, the other reason is that there really are almost no predators, as far as I know. I, I don't think there are any predators now. They're all extinct in this island. But in the time of our Lord, one of the the main functions of the shepherd was to protect and to make sure that he could defend his sheep against the predators. So you're talking about somebody who spent the majority of his time, if not almost all of his time, with the sheep to care for them and to protect them. And any time anybody spends that amount of time with a person, or now here in this this case we're talking about with an animal, you get to know, in this case the animal, the animals, extremely well. He's eating, he's sleeping, he's living with these animals. And these are are primarily his his source of, uh, of income, that's how he survives. But this bond, this bond happens or begins to form as he's spending time each day watching his sheep and caring for them. And he certainly would have had a very specific knowledge of each of his individual sheep. And perhaps waking up one day, he might recognize that sheep he's walking a little bit differently. Or he, this, this one, he's doing something a bit different. Maybe he's sick. So it would have been more, more than just this kind of protecting of the flock in general. It would have been an individual kind of care that he had for each of his animals. That's inevitable. It has to be the case. And our Lord takes this imagery and he speaks in, further on in the, in the chapter, the 10th chapter of St. John. And he says that, I will call each of my sheep by name. Again, this idea that it's, it's individual, it's, it's this, there's this deep bond that's formed because of this relationship between the two. And our Lord is taking this imagery and he's applying it to 
that relationship that he has with us. And he takes it a step further and he says, he says that he's, he will protect his sheep and he will lay down his life for his sheep. Which is actually, it's kind of a ridiculous idea. It's just an animal. And, to, and the idea of a shepherd giving his life to protect one of his sheep, it's kind of ridiculous. But if you think about that bomb that they have, that they would have formed, that he would have had for each of those sheep, it's not out of the question. It's not a crazy idea. And our Lord takes this idea because it's kind of ridiculous and applies it to us. Because it is kind of a ridiculous idea for God to give his life for us. And this was the best imagery that he could use to, to, um, to explain this. So on, on this, this Good Shepherd Sunday, let's ask for this grace to, first of all, to recognize our need for the shepherd. To recognize our weakness, just as, as these sheep are. And then to, to begin to learn the shepherd's voice. To listen to him. To hear his voice. To recognize, especially in more difficult times, what is the shepherd, where is the shepherd trying to lead us? And then, most of all, to recognize and to, to, to appreciate a little bit more what this good shepherd does for us and what he has done for us. Greater love than, than this and no man hath than a man lays down his life for his friends. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.